Father, the, the thing we need most, and you're showing us through this passage, is love. Uh, love for you and, and love for uh, each other. And Lord, not just any kind of love, not just friendly, brotherly love, but, but your agape love, your perfect love, your divine love, and your supernatural love. And Lord, because it's perfect, and it's divine and it's supernatural. It's not something that we can just go out and do. Uh, as you're going to show us in this text today, we have to be changed. But once we're changed, Lord, you command us to exercise that love that you've given us in our hearts. And, and I know that's what you want to teach us today, Lord, because all of us want to love you more and all of us want to love each other more. And you're going to show us how to do that and why we do that and the importance of doing that. Uh, through this great uh, uh, passage on love that, that you give us here in First John. So, Lord, I just ask that uh, you uh, teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit today the things that you would have us to learn. And I ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen. Well, since chapter 3, since we began in chapter 3, John has been talking about agape love and he's told us that the best test that you can take to determine whether or not you're a true born again believer is to ask yourself do you have agape love I mean look back at uh, Verse number, chapter 3 is where I wanted to go. Verse number 14. Listen to what he says there. And here's the test. He says, we know that we have passed. You want to pass the test? There it is. We know that we've passed, the, passed from death to life because we love. Now, that's, a, that's not any kind of love there. That's agape love. It's the perfect divine love of God, the supernatural love of God. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. But to some degree, we love all of mankind. He who does not love his brother, look at this, abides in death. That means you're not saved if you don't love your brother. So there's the test. That's the true test of whether or not you're truly born again. And the reason it's such a valid test, look at 1 John chapter 4 and go down to verse 8. He says, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If, if we're born again, who lives in us? God lives in us, and God is love. And so it makes sense that if God is, is love, then we should, and we have God in us, then we should be loving people. And his love, listen to this, his love is perfect love. And so we should be loving God, and we should be loving one another if God lives in us with absolutely perfect love. Really? Really? I was driving down the interstate Wednesday night on the way to church. And I'm driving along, minding my own business, doing my normal 75 miles an hour. I don't speed as long as you're under 
only five miles over the speed limit, you're all right. But I'm doing my normal 75 miles an hour, and I come past the Karen Crow exit, and this guy in this beat-up white pickup truck begins to merge. And so I do the nice Christian thing. I move over to the left lane. What does he do? He just comes right out in front of me, all the way across both lanes. And, all, and if I hadn't hit my brakes, I would have hit him. And so I'm driving along, and hey, okay, man, that kind of ticks me off, but I'm all right. But then he gets next to this other guy, and he slows down to 65, and there they are, 10 miles under my speed limit, <laughs> side by side. And he won't move. And then all of a sudden, he, he must have dumped his garbage in the back of his truck, and all of his garbage starts flying out and hitting my truck. And then to top it all off, he rolls down his window and he throws out a big bag of garbage from McDonald's and it goes out all over the interstate. Now, what did I do? I'm a Christian and I'm a pastor. So I'm not, I'm not lying. I prayed for the guy. I prayed for him. I prayed, Lord, you see that guy in the white pickup truck? Would you send down lightning and blow him and his truck off the road? And you know, the Lord didn't answer that prayer. So much for perfect love, right? But you know what? The Bible does demand perfect love. Look back at Verse number 12, he says in verse number, four, I mean, chapter number four, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. So if his love is not perfected in us, we fail the test and we're not saved. So if I'm not loving my enemies as I should, I mean, if, if I don't treat my wife maybe as I should all the time, if I don't love my brothers and sisters in Christ maybe as I should, does that mean I'm not saved? Well, we need to answer that question today because I don't want you all to leave here thinking your pastor's not saved. So, so let's dig into this, this text and we'll get the answer to that. It is a high calling, though, and I'm not going to make light of that high calling. Perfect love is what God demands. Look at, look at cha chapter four, uh, 4, beginning down in verse number 13. He said, by this we know that we abide in him, that we're saved. And he in us, that Christ in us is our hope of glory. We know that he's in us. Because how? Well, we're going to bring it back to the basics, John says. Because he's given us his spirit. How do we know we're born again? Because we have the spirit of Christ. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, he says, Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that concept of being sealed is important because that doesn't mean that you've been given the fullness of the Spirit. It means that you've been given the Holy Spirit. And his Spirit is, is a Spirit of truth, and it's a Spirit of power. I mean, you know, if you've been born again, you know truth. Jump, flip back to, to chapter 2. And look back at uh, verse number 20 and, and listen to what he says. If you've been a born again, and he's speaking to believers, he, first of all, he says, hey, little children, there's antichrists that have gone in the world. There's false teachers that have gone in the world. Uh, beware, but, verse 20, 
You have an anointing. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit from the Holy One. And you know all things. As I said when we went through that, you're a bunch of know-it-alls. You know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know truth, but because you know it. And there is no lie in truth. You know truth if you've been born again because the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. But the Spirit is also the Spirit of power. The power of righteousness and the power of love. First of all, the power of righteousness. If you've been born again, then you have the power of righteousness. Look in chapter 3 and look down at verse 9. He says, whoever has been born of God, if you're born again, you do not sin. For his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. If you've been born again, now you're going to sin from time to time, but that new nature in you that you have cannot sin. You are absolutely, perfectly righteous your new nature is and so you've been given the power of righteousness if you'll just let your new nature rule your life then you will live a righteous life we don't always do that that doesn't mean you're not born again but you do have the power of righteousness but you also have the power of love look back at verse number seven he says beloved let us love uh, chapter four now beloved let us love one another for love is of god and everyone who loves is born of God. If you're born of God, you have the Spirit of God who is love, and so you have the power of love. If you're born of God and knows God, who loves, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So if you're born again, you love others in a way you've never loved them before. You love God in a way you've never... In fact, if you're not born again, you don't really love God. People say they love God. But you can only love God truly if you've been given a new nature. Now, look, pick up in verse number 14 and listen to what he says. And he says, of chapter 4, he says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Now, what's John saying right there? He was, in one sense, speaking of the fact that the apostles had seen Jesus Christ. They had walked with Jesus Christ. And they could testify that he is the Savior of the world because they saw the works that he did and they realized that the Father had sent him. They didn't have any, sent him. They didn't have any question about that. But in another sense, he's talking about all of us. Looking back at verse 14, we all have seen and testified that he sent uh, Jesus Christ as Savior of the world. If you're born again, you have spiritual eyes and you see Christ. You see Christ in you. You know that Christ lives in you. You know that he's your Savior. You know that he's come not just to save you, but he's come to save the whole world. And the reason you know that, here's how you know it. Because you have agape love in you. You have righteousness in you. You have truth in you. Those are the tests. And if you don't have those things, then you're not born again. But he's given us, we know that we're saved, and we know that he's the Savior of the world because he's given us his spirit, and he's given us these things. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Look down at the last part of verse 14. And, I, and, and this is another one of those uh, cases or, or, or proof text that show that what the Calvinists teach is not correct. 
They will tell you that Jesus Christ died only for the elect. Jesus Christ did die for the elect, and I do believe in the elect. I do believe that we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. I didn't make that up. You can find that in Ephesians chapter 1. But he didn't just die for us. He died for every single sinner on this earth who has ever lived or who will ever live. He is the Savior of the world. Look back at chapter 2, verse 2. Remember what he said there. Jesus himself is a propitiation for sins, for our sins and not ours only, but also for what? The whole world. So you got, you got a twist, and you don't want, listen to me, you don't want to go to church where they twist scripture. Read it the way it reads. It says he's savior of the whole world. What's that mean in the Greek? He's savior of the whole world. You don't have to be a scholar to figure that out. And, and scholars want to twist and turn that, but you can't twist and turn the meaning of that. He is the Savior of the world. Now, does that mean that everybody in the world is going to get saved? No. The elect get saved. That's true. The ones who are chosen. Who's chosen? Those who choose him. You choose him, guess what? You're one of the elect. You don't choose him, guess what? You're not one of the elect. All you've got to do is choose him because he wants to save everybody. You, you know how I know that? Look at verse 15. Whoever, whoever, what's whoever mean in the Greek? Whoever, anybody, whoever, I don't care what state of life you're in. I don't care how old you are or how young you are or what your race is or what nation you come from. Whoever is anybody, whoever confesses that Jesus is God in their heart. I'm not talking about with their lips, but with their hearts. Because how do you do that? You, you can only confess that Jesus is Lord, we're told in 1 Corinthians, chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, by the Spirit of God. So you have to believe, and then you receive the Spirit. Listen, if you're here today and you say, man, I don't believe all this stuff, you're never going to believe it until you submit to the Lord. And you give to yourself to the Lord, and guess what? You're a whoever. You can be a whoever. Don't you want to be a whoever? Whoever confesses Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he is God. Now, if it's for the whoever's, whoever's, anybody, where's the boasting? Where's the judging? Where's the lack of love for others? Even guys in white pickup trucks running down the road, jumping in front of you, throwing garbage at you. We don't have any right to hate anybody because we're no better than anybody. All we are is a whoever, a whoever who confessed that Jesus is God, who made him our Lord, who received the gift of grace. That's all we are. We didn't deserve any of that. I mean, but look at the good news. I mean, if you're a whoever, God abides in you and he, you in God. I mean, if you're saved, God comes and tabernacles in you. He comes to live in you. And you don't understand how this works, but you live in him. That's how you walk and talk with Jesus. You, and all you got to do to, to reach that state is to confess Jesus is God. You're God. You're God and you're Savior. And when you do that, you know something about the power of love. 
you know something about the power of love, the power of love that God has for you, and the power of love to make you love him and love others. You understand about the power of God. When you get sealed with the Spirit, all of a sudden, you might not be loving people as you should perfectly. You might not be loving God as you should perfectly, but you understand something about the power of love because you've been changed. First of all, look at the power of love that God has for us. Look down at verse number 16. He says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Man, you understand anything about the love that God has for you? You understand? You know where you understand it? By going through this word, by reading the word. You want to know the kind of love that God has for you? Read the word. You want to really, you, you want to summarize it all? Go to Romans chapter 8. Read Romans chapter 8. You'll understand a little bit about the love that God has for you. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But wait a minute, read verse 10. But God has revealed them to us. To us. Who, who's the us? The whoever's. Hey, if, if, not anybody special. You are special if you're a whoever who's confessed Jesus as God because you've become a child of God. But God's revealed all these things to us. He begins to tell us what he's prepared for us. What has he revealed to us? One of the things he's revealed to us is that we have been perfected forever in Jesus Christ. You realize that every single sin you've ever committed or will ever commit has been paid for because of the blood of Jesus Christ? He has that for you. He has total forgiveness for you. What else has he revealed to you? He revealed, he's revealed to you that uh, to many as believed in him, he has given them the power to become what? Children of God. You understand what God has for you? You are his child if you're one of those whoever's who's confessed Jesus as your Lord. We, uh, we, uh, he, he's revealed to us that, we can, that we, ha, we can stand boldly in his throne room and anything that we ask in his name according to his will, he's going to give us in his timing. He's going to give it to us. And you know what else we know? We know that whoever, that he's revealed to us that whoever believes in him shall never die. You understand, the, you, you know what Jesus said? When you believe you have passed from death to life, you will never die. Now, your body's going to die unless you get raptured. But you will never die, the you. To be absent from the body is to be where? To be present with the Lord. We will not be found naked. You will be present with the Lord. He's revealed all that to us, those of us who know the Lord. And you know what? When we put off this old tabernacle, you know what else he's promised us? You know what he's revealed to us? He's going to give us a brand new everlasting tabernacle a new glorified body. Amen? Amen. Amen. And you know what else? Not only, that doesn't end there. He's, in the millennium, guess who's going to stand by his side and rule and reign with him? We're going to rule and reign with him through the millennium and through eternity. And that's 
Not the most important thing that he's revealed to us. Not, not the greatest thing that he's revealed to us. You know, he actually reveals it to us right here in this verse. Let me read it again. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love, watch this. Here's what God has for you. You get to abide in God. You get to tabernacle in God, and God tabernacles in you. You can't, you never, you'll never grasp that if you don't believe that. But if you're a born-again believer, God has revealed that to you, that, the, that Almighty God lives in us. Now, I, you know, I forget that quite often. I mean, I get up in the morning and I say my prayers and I say, good morning, Lord, as if he's just arriving on the scene. He was with me when I was sleeping and I, he never leaves me or forsakes me. I mean, he lives with me all the time. I abide in him all the time. You know, and we, we put, allow so much garbage into our lives and so much unbelief in our life that we really don't, aren't cognizant of his presence. And we should be, but we're not. And so, if he abides in me, and he's perfect love, God is love, we see that right here, then what should I be? I should be love. If his, and it's perfect love, so his perfect love should be in me. Look at verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. What is God in this world? God is love in this world. And he loves others. And so, because he lives in us, his love is perfected in us. It, you could say it's completed in us. Because, see, what God does, he loves others through us. God shows his love for the lost and dying world out there. He shows his love for the people in his church through us. We're his vessel. And that's how the, his love is completed in us. And because of that, and because we know that he's loving others through us, then we know we're saved. I mean, we know something about the power of God. I mean, we, we sense the power of his love in us. You know, if you've ever been in an experience where, where, where you realize that you acted in a way that you never would have acted before you were saved, you understand that that's God doing that. And when you understand that God is in you, then... Are you afraid of being judged? I mean, look at what he says. We may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why do we have boldness in the day of judgment? Because we recognize the supernatural presence of God in us. And God will not live in us if we're not saved. And so we don't have to worry about the judgment. Look, if you want to come out of your, your state of feeling sorry for yourself or feeling condemned by God or feeling unloved by God, then love others. Let that supernatural love of God flow through you and begin to love others. All you got to do to love others, see, that's a supernatural thing. You just got to make yourself available. You make yourself available to love others. You say, Lord, I want to, you know, make, 
give me an opportunity to show love to somebody today. God will do that. And then you'll love somebody in a way you've never loved any that person before. You'll show love to some person you would have never showed love to before you were saved. And when that happens, well, you experience the presence of God in a way you've never experienced the presence of God before. And when you experience the presence of God, what happens to the fear of judgment? Whoop! It's gone. Now, I read one commentator back years ago when I taught this before. And he said that this verse is a mandate for us to love with perfect love or else we will be judged. In other words, if you don't love others with perfect love, the perfect love of God, you are in condemnation. You will be judged. And so if you don't love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, if you don't reach that point, you're going to face judgment. If you don't reach a point where you love your neighbor as yourself, then you're going to face judgment. Now, here's my opinion on that. Anyone at any point who says that they love God perfectly or they love their neighbor perfectly makes themselves out to be a liar. That's, when somebody tells me that, I just go, yeah, yeah, sure you do. You know, the rich young ruler, remember that guy? That's exactly what he thought. He thought that he did love God with all his heart. He thought that he loved his neighbor as himself. And remember how Jesus responded to that statement. When the rich young ruler said, man, yeah, I love, I've kept these commandments from my youth. I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and I love my neighbor as myself. Jesus said, great, great, liar. Now, here's what I want you to do. Go sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. Now, was Jesus trying to, was given a doctrine of everybody selling everything they've got and giving it to the poor? No. What he was trying to do was show the rich young ruler that he didn't love his neighbor as he loved himself. Let, let me tell you what. How many of y'all love me as much as you love yourself? <laughs> Come on. Because if you do, I want all your money. Because you would want me, if you love me as much as you love yourself, you would want me to have what you have. Now, I don't love you that way, so don't ask me for mine. You see the point that he was making? And then he made another point. Did the rich young ruler obey? Who was is, who is that speaking to that rich young ruler? God Almighty. And if he loved God with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his soul, then he would do anything God asked him to do. And God asked him to go sell everything he had and give it to the poor. Jesus even had tested him on the fact that he was God because the man said, hey, I really like you. You know, no, you, nobody could do this unless they come from God. And, and uh, you must be really good because you do really good things. And, and Jesus said, no one is good but God. You're right, I'm good, but I'm God. And then he, he told him to go sell everything. And did the rich man sell everything? No, he walked away. Because when push came to shove, he really didn't love God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his body, or he would have obeyed God. You see, he, he, he brought him down on both commandments by asking him to sell those things and give that stuff away. And let me tell you what, you, you run around telling people you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, uh, you're going to get tested on that. You get to talk, thinking about how much you love the Lord or how much you love your neighbor. God will show you how selfish you still are. Nobody's reached that point yet. And if that's what you've got to reach in order to, 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 to escape judgment, we're all going to face judgment. 
Because none of us are going to, I mean, when you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, that means you don't do anything but think on the Lord. And everything you do, you do for the Lord. You would never go to McDonald's because the Lord doesn't want you in McDonald's. I mean, you would never watch NFL football with all the garbage commercials and stuff they have. And I'm not putting any of that stuff down because, I, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, if you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, and, you, and, and your neighbors yourself, man, all you would be doing would be serving your neighbor and you'd be having a Bible, you know, out here looking at it all the time and you'd be praying all the time. And you, that's all you'd be doing. But none of us do that. Now, how many in this room love the Lord? Yeah, we love the Lord. How many of this room love your pastor? <laughs> then give me your wallets. <laughs> you know what Jesus was trying to tell the band and what he was trying to tell us? In order to love the way I want you to love, you've got to have a heart change. You've got to be perfected. You've got to be perfected not just positionally, but practically, practically. And remember what I said about us being sealed with the Spirit? We've been sealed with the Spirit. And we grow in grace. We grace upon grace. We're changed from glory to glory. And as we're changed from glory to glory, we love God more and more and more. And we love each other more and more and more. I believe we progress in this issue. And if we're not progressing at all, and if there's no love for the God or no love uh, for each other, then probably we're not saved and we should fear the judgment. But those of you that have been born again a while, you know that you've progressed in these areas. You love God more than you did. Man, boy, when I first was born again, I thought I really, really loved God more than, you know, anybody in the world. Then God showed me I really didn't love God. And, 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 and you go through tough times and you go through experiences that teach you to learn to love God and they teach you to learn to love others. They humble you and they, they teach you to be less prideful and more humble. And so, so we do change from glory to glory. And so what we need is a heart change. That's how we get agape love. And the more our hearts are changed, the less and less we fear God, we fear the world, and we fear the devil. Because the more we experience the supernatural love of God flowing through us and for him and for our neighbor, the more we experience the power of, of God, the less fear there is. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love. See, if you live in love, the more you abide in love, for God and for one another and in receiving the love of God, the more you abide in love, the less fear there is in life because perfect love casts out fear. Look, when you're glorified one day, there is not going to be anything on this earth, in this universe, anywhere in this world, not even God that you're going to fear because perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. It involves the fear of judgment, the fear of hell, the fear of punishment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now you can be born again and love with perfect love and not yet be made perfect in love. That takes time. 
That's a process, and it won't be fully complete until you're, uh, you're totally glorified. But I'll tell you what, if you don't know the Lord, or if you're not living for the Lord and you know the Lord, you're going to have a lot of fear in your life. And, buddy, I'll tell you what, if you're not saved, you better fear the judgment. That's a scary, scary thing. It's been almost 30 years ago when I stood before a judge because of some criminal activity that I had been involved in. And i got to tell you, that's a scary, scary thing because this judge that I was standing before held my future in his hands. And I stood before him and my knees were shaking and my teeth were rattling and my tongue was stuck to the back up upper part of my mouth and I, I was scared to death. And I got to tell you something else. I didn't feel any love coming from that judge. He didn't love me one iota. The only thing he cared about was, was his job. Well, imagine this. Imagine standing before God Almighty, your creator, and you're at the great white throne judgment seat. And he knows every single thought you've had today, every, yesterday, in your whole life, every single word you've spoken, every single action you've made, and you're accountable for every evil thing that you've ever done in your life? Man, there's not, any, there's not a scarier thought than that. Because I got news for you. If you're standing at the great white throne judgment seat, you're facing hell. You don't believe in hell? That doesn't keep it from being there. There is a hell. There is a God. And he's your judge. And you're facing torment and you better fear. But if you're a whoever who confess the Lord as your Savior, you've got nothing to fear because of the power of love. Guess what? The judge is your father. He's your father. And he loves you. He loves you so much he's going to send you a notice and tell you you don't even have to come to court. You don't even have to be there because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. I mean, he's paid for every single one of my sins. He went to the cross for my sins. So I don't even have to go to court. That's a great deal. You know what, though? The, the primary context of verse 18, if you're looking at verse 18, the, the primary context of fear here is the fear of judgment. But... If you know the power of love, we don't not just fear judgment. We don't have to fear anything because perfect love casts out fear. You can apply that to anything. I mean, you don't have to fear your enemies because Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 that, we're, that uh, if God be for us, who can be against us? Nobody can come against you. None of your enemies can harm you. You don't have to fear your enemies if, if God be for you and if you're a whoever God's for you. 
You don't have to feel Satan. You don't have to fear Satan and his demons. The Bible says, James says in James chapter four, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's all you got to do. You just got to resist his temptation, resist his harassment, resist his accusations, and guess what he's going to do? He's going to leave you alone. You have nothing to fear. You don't even have to fear death. Because as Jesus says, those who believe on me shall never die. And as Paul says, oh, death, where's your sting? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you don't have to fear hell because in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, we're told there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're still afraid of the judgment of God, if you're still afraid of, of, of Satan, if you're still afraid of death, then the love of God's not been perfected in you. I mean, you're not experiencing God like you should. And the reason you're not experiencing God like you should if you're a born-again believer is because you're not experiencing his love. You're not allowing him to love others through you. You're not loving him in a way that you should love him. And, and, and love, to some degree, is a choice. The supernatural power for agape love comes from the Lord, but we have to exercise a choice. We have to make ourselves available. But you know what? We're the whoever's who know God, and we know the power of his love. And in verse 19, we love him. We love him because he first loved us. We don't love God with perfect love in order to get God to love us and save us. We love him because he has saved us. It's not, we're not under law. That's the lesson that Jesus was trying to convey to the rich young ruler. You can't earn that kind of love. You, love, comes, love comes from the power of God, and it comes because God first loved us and sealed us with his Holy Spirit. He gave us himself. He gave us the power of love. And if you love God, then you've got to love others. I mean, love for God and love for others goes hand in hand. You can't be a Christian and be a racist. You can't be a Christian and hate lost people. You can't be that because if you're a Christian, who dwells in you? God. And if God dwells in you, God is love, agape love. So if he dwells in you, then you have agape love for God and you have agape love for others. Verse 20, if someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? You know, if you, love God, if, if, if you have the power of love living in you, then you love God and you love your human brother. So if you hate others, how can you say you love God? I mean, we don't see God, but we love God. And God is in us, and we're in God, and God is love. And so when we ha- when we, if, we can, if we can run around hating other people, I'm not talking about getting mad at other people, but running around hating other people, being unkind to other people, unloving to other people, then we're liars if we, if, if we say we love God. And then the last verse, he kind of just really sums it all up. Verse number 21. 
And this commandment we have from him, from Jesus Christ, that he who loves God must love his brother also. There it is. Jesus said in John 15, 17, these things I command you, that you love one another. God's not trying to put us under some law here. What he's trying to do is show us our, uh, tell us something about our new nature. Our new nature is to love one another. And if we don't love one another, then, then we're, we're not saved. I mean, the author of Hebrews quotes from Jeremiah chapter 31, and he speaks of the new covenant. And listen to what he says. It's, this is God speaking. He says, I will put my laws in their minds. This is about us, the new covenant, people of the new covenant. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Where is the law of God? It's on your mind. It's on your heart. If you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, the law of God is on your mind, and it's on your heart. You go back, and he's, I think he's referred to the Ten Commandments here. I'll tell you all the time, you're not under law. The Bible tells you you're not under law. But you are the law. There's a big difference. It's on your mind and it's on your heart. What's the law? If you go back and study the Ten Commandments, what are the first few commandments about? They're about loving the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul. That's on your mind now. It's on your heart now. You don't necessarily do it all the time because you still have a flesh. But that's on your mind. It's part of who you are. It's part of that new nature. What are the rest of the commandments about? They're about loving your neighbor as yourself, about doing good things to your neighbor. And it's as, Paul, as John's going to tell us in verse chapter 5, uh, well, yeah, chapter 5, verse 3, he's going to tell us that uh, his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome because they're written on your heart and they're written on your mind. If you are born again, listen to me, you must love others. You must love God. Not because you're under law, but because it's who you are. That's who you are. And, 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 and if you, when you begin to realize that, it casts out all fear because you know that you're saved. Let me finish the story about the guy in the white pickup. That guy made me really mad. Did I have a right to be mad? I certainly did. I mean, this guy was careless. He was destructive. He was self-centered. You have a right to be mad because it's your tax money that has to take the, pay those people to go back out and pick that trash up that he threw out there on the highway. Love doesn't mean that you don't get mad. But let me tell you, what I came away with from that story. You know, I didn't strike back at the guy. I didn't put my hand on the horn and just let it go. I didn't chase the guy down and give him a hand signal. <laughs> I went on my way and I let him do his thing. And I happened to be teaching through this text. That might have helped. But you know what I realized? That guy's a whoever. 
He could be a whoever. I wasn't much better than that before I got saved. I don't remember throwing McDonald's garbage all over the highway, but, but I did some bad things. We all did bad things before we were saved. 30 years ago, before I was saved, there would have been some hand signals. There would have been some horn blowing. There would have been, you know, I would have been, I would have been chasing a guy down. I wouldn't have forgiven that guy for what he did. And I, and, and I, I don't want to make light of this. There's a lot more serious cases than, than, than that. But you know what? I come away from, when, I, when I come away from incidences like that, you know what I realize? I realize that I've been changed by God. And, and I know it. And because I know it, I, I know that God, who is love, is in me. And, and because I know that God, who is love, is in me, I know I have nothing to fear. That perfect love cast out all my fears. That's the power of love. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for what you've given us. So many things through Jesus Christ. Lord, we have eternal life. We have a, a great future, a calling, a hope. Lord, a promise of a new heavenly body promise that we're going to rule and reign with you forever Lord but I think the most important thing that you've given us is that change of heart that allows us to love as you love with perfect love agape love supernatural love divine love Lord we want more of that we want more of you in us so that that we can be the kind of loving and caring people that you want us to be. That can only happen by the power of your Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen.